Mr. Miyagi, come on, admit it. Who kicks him butt? Julissa, fighting not good. But if must fight, win. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I represent the Alpha Elite. Because if some punk puts graffiti on our walls, I spray paint his eyeballs so that he sees red. <laughs> My name is Jacob Burrows, and I represent Miyagi-Do, because I never trust a spiritual leader who cannot dance. Welcome to No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback. It's finally happening. We're here. The time has come. We're going to talk about the next Karate Kid. Oh, who are we talking about? Miguel? Is it Miguel? No, it's Hillary fucking Swank. Here we go. Yes. 1994. Fuck Daniel-san. Fuck all the other guys. Uh, we're starting it fresh here. All we need is our boy, Mr. Miyagi, in a new locale, having fun adventures. And that's exactly what we're going to go on. An I'd adventure. I'd never seen this movie before. Um, yeah, me neither. I mean, I remember, I, I mean, as a as a child growing up, I remember, like, seeing trailers for it. And I, I, I mean, I haven't double-checked this, but I'm almost positive that one of the big scenes for the trailer was the whole thing of, like, him opening the door, and she's like, get out, get out, because she's changing or whatever. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> boy, it's much easier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This movie is ahead of its time, my dude. At, nowadays... You get all kinds of remakes or reboots or whatever, or legacy sequels. You gender flip the the uh, the character, and you just kind of go for it. This movie was way ahead of all of that, doing that way back in the day, giving us strong female characters, a next Karate Kid in Hilary Swank, not Daniel-san. I did read, because I had assumed that they wanted to do a Karate Kid 4 and that Ralph Macchio just said no, so they were like, all right, mm -hmm. well, let's go a different way. But Ralph Macchio said that no, they didn't even approach him for it. I mean, at this point, he was in his he was in his 30s because he was already, like, what, like 23 or something in the first one? Uh, yeah. So at this point, he was in his 30s, so I guess they just assumed, like, yeah, I mean, he's not really a kid anymore. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess there, I'm sure maybe someone did bandy about the idea of potentially him being in the Miyagi role or something. But, I mean, how could you when you've got Pat Morita right there? So, of course, you just uh, go with, a, with a, a female character. And according to Hilary Swank, she saw the ad for, like, a female actress wanted for Karate Kid Part 4, and she just assumed she was going to be Daniel-son's girlfriend. She thought she was going to audition to be right. the girlfriend of Daniel-son. Little did she know she was Daniel's son now. Uh, so that's fun. Walton Goggins is in this movie. You did, of course, you've noticed Walton Goggins, correct? I, I didn't while watching it, but I'm completely face blind. Uh, there's a, I was a lot thinking of interesting that. people popping up, but yeah. Because I was Sorry, wondering, I was like, did Jacob even know, is he even noticing that we got vice principals himself here <laughs> as one of the goons of the alpha elite? I was so excited when I saw his name in the opening credits because I didn't know he was in this until I was watching it. I was hoping he had more of a meatier part, but it was still fun to see him uh, uh, in yeah. the film. For sure. I, I feel like we're getting too deep into it already because I really want to bring you, the dear listener, on this journey of like through the next Karate Kid because it's a fucking weird one. I assume most people haven't watched it unless you're 
uh, Karate Kid super fans like ourselves, um, maybe you have. But yeah, there's there's first of all, I, th I guess we should say I don't think any of the same people seem to be involved really in directing it or writing mm. it. Does that sound right to you? Because I couldn't really. Yeah, see. no. Uh, apparently, um, Robert Mark Kamen, um, who ha wrote the other ones, he was uh, he was annoyed. His initial pitch for Karate Kid 3 was Mr. Miyagi's ancestors. He wanted to have a flashback <laughs> to 16th right. century China and do a historical, like, flying kung fu movie. Um, cool. And then he, and then apparently, because he did have the idea of also then flipping it and having it be a female Karate Kid. And he's like, if they would have done my flying people movie. I would have done it, but they didn't want to do that. Uh, and then I did want to get rid of Daniel and do it with a girl. But uh, well, initially, I guess he had like two different pitches for Karate Kid 3. Like he wanted to either do flying people in the 16th century named Miyagi. Uh, or Why he wanted flying, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I assume he means like a, like a crouching tiger situation, kind of like, like an old school kung fu movie where, yeah, you're like, you know. Okay, loads ass. of wires and shit, yeah. for sure. Uh, and then I think he then wanted to do like a female karate kid. And they said no, because they want, of course, that macho business was still good. So that's why he gave them Terry Silver. I mean, we're, the world's all much better for it in the end. Uh, but mm. he was like, I'm not fucking coming back. I gave you Terry. I spit in your face on purpose <laughs> by giving <laughs> you Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3. And you coming back for more? Get out of my face. Yeah, so for, for any criticisms people might have of, say, uh, The Karate Kid Part 3, it's still like 1, 2, and 3 are all directed by John G. Avildsen yeah. and written by Robert Mark Kamen. Like, you know, a, a, a solid duo. They knew what they were doing. And this, t to a large extent, honestly, I don't think it's all bad, but it's not a good film. Like, we should probably say that first. I feel like, yeah. No, very well, clearly not a good film, but a film I very much enjoyed watching. Well, I was going to say, I can't really disagree with that, but it's not as bad as I expected in a weird way. It's not like... It's still... There's a lot of things it gets right, uh, which I was surprised. There's a lot of stuff surprised. where you, you could kind of... You can see how they're probably, at some point in Cobra Kai, going to use clips of stuff uh, you know, Mr. Miyagi is saying because yeah. that stuff is still good. Yeah. It's just some of the context and some of the logic of what happens is uh, bonkers. Um, but then some of it just makes sense. You can see what they're going for to a large extent. Yes, because they still, I mean, I, I, obviously I think a big part of it's still Pat Morita, but they, they don't fumble the ball with Mr. Miyagi in this. Um, yeah. And they still stay true for the most part like like again i'm always just expecting that especially if you bring some other people in it's just gonna be like mr miyagi's like let's go kick some fucking ass let's go let's go bitch <laughs> i mean <laughs> not like that but you know it's like you could very easily have just fallen into uh like a tournament again or you know i mean there are the bullies that are bullying this girl at school but the movie's still more about just her dealing with her anger, being like a you know an angsty teenage girl, and Mr. Miyagi's trying to use karate to help that. It's not this mission of defeating the bullies and winning a tournament or something. But it's just so weird because you'd think they would just be like, especially you bring in new people, they're like, fuck it, let's do a tournament. Let's have a girl kicking ass the whole movie. 
but they really don't do that. I mean, again, I'm not saying the movie is good, though. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily make it good, but I'm surprised at some of the, the restraint and the amount of things they still get right. Yeah, I can already tell I'm going to talk myself into liking this movie throughout the course of this episode, which yeah. is annoying because it's not good. But I feel like by the end of it, I'm going to be like, you know what? It is good. Uh, so we'll see if I get there. But I do want to walk through kind of the plot because that's kind of where it gets to like some of the stuff as I was well, watching it. I was like, if I was explaining this to someone else, I would just be like, and then this happens. And that makes perfect sense in the universe of the film. Well, before we get into that, let me also just say, like, again, like, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, I never watched this movie, even though, like, yeah, what, what was it? Like, 2018 now. So it's been, well, I guess I didn't watch Cobra Kai when it initially premiered, but I did watch it, like, before season two. So it's it's still at least, like, three years ago, like, getting full back into Karate Kid fandom again because of Cobra Kai and revisiting the mm. films. I don't know if it was just because, like, oh, no, I don't want to watch that because what if it's really bad? I'm on a Miyagi high right now. But going into this fresh with never seeing it, I mean, I, I'll have to admit, a big part of, like, elevating this movie is being like, oh, my God, this is new Mr. Miyagi content that I've yeah. never seen before. So in a weird way, it's almost like a lost episode of Cobra Kai because this is new Miyagi stuff. And again, I was just excited from the beginning is that it still felt like Mr. Miyagi. It wasn't as good, obviously, but it's still, you know, Pat Morita still killing it and they're still getting kind of the humor and his personality. Correct. So like that really, there's so much good faith I have just on that alone that that like keeps the movie afloat for me, uh, for almost all of it i mean the monk stuff is a little like all right what are we doing uh and i didn't even make the connection uh, but in one of the articles they talk they mentioned how like in the first movie uh daniel mentioned something about monks and then mr miyagi's like we watch too much tv but now here we are at a fucking <laughs> hanging with monks <laughs> just doing shit uh but anyways it was just so cool to have New Miyagi, there was the last new Miyagi content that I could have had in my life, and I got to enjoy it last night. Yeah, until we watched the animated show, mm. um, which, of course, I'm sure Very would live true. up to this as well. Yeah, I think I, I completely get where you're coming from, and I, I guess I felt that to a certain extent for sure. I think just the writing is not necessarily like terribly awful throughout, but it's very unsubtle through the whole film like mm. it's very uh hitting it on the nose and i and, and like generally speaking not amazing so that's why i think from the start i was more anxious that pat marita was going to be delivering kind of miyagiisms but they weren't going to hit home and i actually you know you're right like they, they there's some nice uh, mr miyagi speeches in there he does yeah. his usual kind of solid performance so not really uh didn't really come true that worry but just yeah well we'll get into the plot but in general. how when cool we start is from it the... when he mentions daniel though i mean come yeah, on yeah. that's what that's what references slash nostalgia is made for moments like that it's like oh my god he mentioned yeah. daniel and, and then, I mean, the other thing, I mean, even though I know this doesn't happen in the movie, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you and getting to the beats, but even though I know okay. this doesn't happen in the movie, there's part of me that's like, when he's like, I'm gonna, we're going to go see an old friend of mine, I'm like, oh my God. 
did I not know? <laughs> did I somehow not know what's going to happen here? And he's going to go yeah. see Daniel in Jersey? Uh, no, that didn't happen, though. But but I, I feel like they were playing with those expectations. Like, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I actually, I was going to get into the beats, but I think, actually, if I was going to explain it, I would have to start with, there's the school, right, in Boston. Yes. yeah. And in, in this school, there is a group of children who are played by, you know, late 20s kind of people, obviously, uh, who are greasers, right? So, so far, so bad. But the greasers all have, like, a patch on their shoulder, and they are part of the Alpha Elite, which is... Uh, some sort of group that's run by someone who works at the school. Is this a military school? No, I don't think so. No, it's um, not. no, but it's run by like a colonel or whatever uh, who runs this special group of students and teaches them to be ruthless maniacs. So they're the antagonists. So at some point when they were coming up with the story of this, they were like, okay, we're going to have these ruthless, weird school militia and they're going to be the bad guys in this right that's kind of one of the well, basic premises of this film true but in their defense what i'll say they got michael ironside who fucking rocks kicks ass he always plays this part in in movies and he does i mean it's clear they're going for a cobra kai thing but i appreciate that they weren't like um you know there's another evil dojo but we're in like you could easily just been like this is the east coast cobra kai uh but but they kind of were like what could we do that's similar to a crease and some bullies, but they're in a group or whatever without just it being more like we happen to stumble upon a school that has karate. Now, yeah. again, it's still insane, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I appreciate they were going for something. But yeah, because mm. even going in, I'm like skimming through the uh, transcript here. Like it, it is like when we hear the speech, He's like, uh, where is it? So in, you, when the colonel's talking to his alpha elite. Yeah, mean. this is when they're all like in front of the school on a field. Like, do they're about to do the the uh, the test where he's like, "Come on, try and hit me," and he just starts kicking yeah, their ass. Yeah, yeah. But he, at the <laughs> but before that, he's giving a speech and he's like, "In the past, we've had external enemies. Now the enemy is in our country. It's inside yeah. our cities, in our school. Like it's very dog whistle." Uh, I'm like, wow, are they really going for an angle here? And like, they don't oh, yeah. follow through on it, but I mean, it's there. It's like, it's in our schools in a war. You got to be ready to destroy your enemy. But then he gets into like the, uh, well, you to give someone a maximum response, but then he turns it into a being about spray paint or dropping a candy wrapper <laughs> and on drop well, a yeah, candy wrapper. You make them pick it up and eat it. <laughs> Yeah, and if someone spray paints the wall, you spray paint their eyes. So they're kind of like, I don't know, like school prefects in Harry Potter or whatever. They're like the nerds, basically, who do the bidding of the school, except they're an elite group. And they're kind of like a cult that's in the school, right? Like this is, yeah. uh, I, I think you're right. I think it is good that it's not like, here's another dojo. And because it, it still is exploring the same kind of theme of this toxic kind of alpha fight become the leader kind of shit uh and it does that well but it, they don't have to be karate people they're just people who do loads of fighting right yeah they're <laughs> basically like i mean they're neo-nazis for the most part they go right yeah, up yeah, to yeah. the line because it's a bunch of like ripped white dudes uh ready to clean up the school because the enemy's now in our school we used to fight them outside 
Um, so it's weird. It's yeah. weird what they're doing, but it's like in a weird way, they would do the same thing now. Uh, yeah. they would, they would go a little further with it. Like they would, they, they wouldn't just kind of like allude to kind of the, the, uh, racial politics. They would kind of go the full way. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's still, it's definitely bonkers though, but it's like, I almost just appreciate what they're going for. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to start with that because I th- feel like it's an important uh, element of identifying what the film is actually about. But if we rewind a little bit, what we actually see first in the film is Mr. Miyagi arriving at what is a uh, sort of celebration of this uh, regiment or what have you yeah. that was of Asian soldiers in World War Two. Does that sound right? Yep. Yeah. And then uh, it's like, but it's also kind of, I think it's like a memorial. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a memorial or funeral for his captain or whatever. But I mean, that's part of what happens because what? He's meeting with his wife, who's the grandmother of Julie Pierce. Like, that's kind of how we get into it. But yeah, they're they're celebrating this battalion um, you know, they mentioned that they were their families were put in camps, but they were still over there kicking ass for their country. It didn't even matter. I mean, it mattered, yeah. but yeah, and it it's kind of the the <laughs> the lack of subtlety I yeah. was talking about, where just the first line of the film is like, <laughs> even though many of our families were in internment camp in camps, like not a bad thing to explore in the film but compared to the first film how we gradually find out about mr miyagi's past and the horrible things just it's just like right we're right into it like what's happening guys (laughs) but my favorite part like right along those lines is when julie's grandmother calls her by her mother's name and she's like i'm julie my parent my mom was blah 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 my dad was blah 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 they're dead they died in a car accident (laughs) this is what i'm talking about right so that's kind of the next scene where mr miyagi's having dinner with the grand well with the widow of this other person who was being honored at the ceremony Mm. and her uh her granddaughter is kind of coming in being a snarky teenager hillary swank of course Mm. um and she's just trying to ask questions but then just like you said uh her grandmother yells susan at her but like with the way it's shot and everything we don't see Sue. We don't see the grandmother's face realizing she made a mistake and like, oh, uh, like anything like that. We just have her deliver back, like, my name is Julie. My mother's name was Susan. We don't know this information yet. And like explaining, like, they died in a car accident. Uh, you know, they're both dead. Like, this is all exposition to us. So it's not an emotional moment. It's just kind of like, a, <laughs> here you go. Here's what the backstory is kind of moment. And in a very, like that calling your child, uh, well, your grandchild, your child's name is such an iconic trope moment. But they kind yes. of bungle it there. And one of the things sure. that's similar to that that's on the nose, but I actually kind of liked is the moment when she's dropping her off at the airport and she kind of says, like, you know, I I want things to be a certain way, but then I just can't. Like, she kind of talks about her anger, and it's on yeah, the so nose. So to be clear, it's it's the granddaughter saying something yes. like about I try for things to be okay between us, but it just all goes wrong. Yes, it, it, and it felt uh, that felt very re- that felt like I mean it's on the nose, but it's very true. I feel like especially 
whether it be you're a teenager going through a big trauma like this or just a teenager in general, because I've had those, I had those moments when I was like an angry teen where sometimes you're like, why am I treating people like this? Why am I doing this? But I, I, but, but then like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change. (laughs) So I don't know. like that. I kind of liked, uh, but yeah, it was along the same way where she's more like explaining what she is. And I guess the other thing I liked is I don't know what I expected going into this movie, but I thought from the beginning, the way it's like, I'm troubled, I'm angry. I thought they were going to lean into that more, but it's just more so that, like, because I thought she was going to go out and, like, yeah, spray paint or cause trouble, shoplift, like, just do stupid shit just because to show I'm an angry teenager. But it's now she's just sneaking out to take care of a hawk. Hawk, by the way? Cobra Kai's hawk? Who knows? Yeah, so she's sneaking out onto the school grounds upstairs to feed a hawk, which at this point in the film, I uh, I wasn't even like, like what is like what is the school that has a hawk on top of it? I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. it's a rich school, I guess. This is America. They have hawks. But no, it's like an old, we find out later, there's an old, like a janitor used to keep pigeons there or whatever, which is already weird. Mm. Um, but then she keeps this hawk there and the hawk has an injured wing. So that's why the hawk is not flying away. So these are all going to be plot points later. Don't worry. Yeah. But this is kind of where we start out. But even before any of all that, like after this big shouting match uh, between the two of them, Mr. Miyagi is just there kind of hanging out, chilling, watching. And he has some words of wisdom. Them, but his immediate solution is to suggest a house swap and i don't know if he was just looking around this house going like this is pretty cool or what but here is the other big part of the setup for the film we have the neo-nazis we also have the house swap between uh mr miyagi and this lady who's the grandmother of uh hillary swank right so yes. that's kind of the basic premise that he's going to be the substitute parent and obviously like watching this i'm kind of like excited right like what's gonna happen we know what's gonna happen but how is it gonna play out because she's gonna be learning karate from mr miyagi how could we not enjoy that because it's kind of the same thing we see in cobra kai in a sense where as they start getting closer start learning together etc she's kind of rejecting some of the stuff that he would usually try kind of similar to cobra kai where it's like Mm. i don't give a shit how you wipe the car or whatever it's like hello i'm a teenage girl i do not give a shit about any of this nonsense i want to go to the mall (laughs) yes yeah which she says many times and it's another one of those 2d (laughs) things because i think hillary swank is not a bad actor but it's more like she is a good uh annoyed and annoying teenager you know yeah and i do i i do like i feel like even because my girlfriend watched this and like, I think the, not that they they do great things to put it more from a female perspective, but I mean, she grew up in the nineties as well. So likes, you know, nineties girl movies. And I think this was scratching some of those itches in like the corny, mm. cheesy fashion, but it was in a weird way I could have seen like, oh, if younger girls did kind of go see this movie, some of this stuff would work. But that it also that what that makes the alpha elite even more bonkers <laughs> as part of the movie because some of the uh, uh, more like you know dealing with being an angsty teenage girl stuff doesn't parallel as well with the alpha elite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. So. She is at the school feeding this hawk and gets chased away by the police, comes back home and is told about the old house swap. Uh, As you said, they kind of go to the airport the next day. They have a little bit of a moment that they try sometimes. 
Um, but in short, she's going to be left here with all her angsty feelings with uh, Mr. Miyagi around to kind of do his thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is to just kind of not be, uh, not fight about anything, just kind of be a great overall guy to have around uh, and try to help out is kind of the, the basic setup there. And um, then, yeah, she also gets to have a hunky dude who's a member of the Alpha Elite, but he's only there because he's trying to get a, a, a recommendation or whatever so he could be a fucking, uh, what was he going to be, a fighter pilot or something? And he, But he works at the... T well, because I haven't even mentioned that. I didn't know this took place in Boston either. I grew up outside of Boston. So I'm like, oh, they're at the T station. Those are the, That's the red line. I'm like, that's probably a Braintree train. Then it was a Braintree train. So I'm loving all the references. I'm loving all that stuff. Uh, sure. But yeah, what's the what's the dude's name? Oh, McGowan. Yeah, good old uh, McGowan. Which I kind well, of okay, like yeah. that he's a, you know, in the same realm of like not not an Allie Mills, but like in a movie like this, when the girl love interest character would just be kind of underwritten and flimsy like so is mcgowan so i appreciate <laughs> yeah, that like hell true. yeah mcgowan's just kind of a hunky dude you don't even really get why she likes him i guess it's because he's buff and uh cool <laughs> so there you go yeah uh to, to take a quick step back like when she's back in school etc there, there's this shot where like these greaser dudes are kind of walking into frame like it's kind of a long <laughs> shot um and like they're just kind of they look at they're like they're from the film Grease. That's uh, yeah. how I can describe them. Um, and yeah, the main guy is uh, a sexual harasser. Yes. Uh, very like there's this scene that's very uncomfortable. There's a few scenes that are very uncomfortable because the subtext is not subtext anymore. Yeah. He's he's an over the top cartoonish villain, but it is not. Like, you know, the subtext in The Karate Kid is, hey, I'm going to beat you up. The subtext is not the same here. He's trying yeah. to get her to go on a date with him. She he keeps talking about bringing her to the docks. This is a weird thing, by the way, that well, he mentions in their first encounter that she's yeah. going to come down to the docks with him. And I'm like, well, that's a weird thing to say. Uh, it's some sort of joke about her being a prostitute or something. And later on, he mentions the docks again. And that's when I realized <laughs> they're doing a thing here where the last scene is going to be at the docks. Yes. Because... <laughs> Because they've mentioned it, they're referencing it again, so they're gonna have a big fight at the docks at the end, which they do. Um, but yeah, there's he's like ripping the headphones out of her hair, like shaking her around and like grabbing onto her really menacing rapist kind of vibes. Yes. Um, and this is only ten minutes into the movie, so it's it's setting that up, and it's a heavy theme to be tackling. But I suppose. I suppose it makes sense, but it's a very uncomfortable situation well, because he he you know he's the one who has authority in the school as well. So he like says that she was smoking and he caught her, and he says like ah no one's ever going to believe you. I can do whatever I want. So a very uncomfortable kind of uh, situation to set up for sure. Well, yeah, because it's like, I mean, I guess they they were, you were just more free with the. Um, the threat of sexual violence in some of these movies back then. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's not really a way around it, but they were like, just like leaning into it. But then I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bizarre. Yeah. Not subtext, basically text. And I mean, I guess that's to be, to be like expected that there's, there has to be an element of that, but yeah, it's really like, you know, most girls are begging for it or something, but and, and and just the fact that 
I I mean, maybe there's subtext in the fact that the docks is a place where you either like have sex or you kick ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we go to the same place. You know, hey, if I want to fight you, you're going to the fucking meeting at the docks, my dude. But if it's like if well, we want to go make what, out, I need <laughs> I need your context here. You're the Bostonian, right? Is that what happens at the docks? No, I mean, I just thought of it as like you know, movies always have. Uh, have fucking make out point or whatever. Like usually yeah, you go yeah. to a cliff or something. I, I thought of it like that at first, but then I was really laughing when he challenged the other guy to a fight and it was still going to the docks. <laughs> uh, hold on. I gotta, yeah. I hope this doesn't play audio. Oh, that they were fun. Oops, there, it played a little audio, but I just want to double check something real quick because the mm. actor. Uh, okay. Oh, I, I think I know yeah. what you're about to say. The actor, Michael Cav- Cavalieri, yes. uh, who plays Ned, the weirdo rapist guy we were just talking about, is in one scene of The Sopranos. Yes. Is that what you were bringing up? <laughs> yeah, he works for uh, La Mana Landscaping, and he's the guy up in the tree with the chainsaw. And then uh, yep. Polly beats up the guy who's holding like the r- safety rope for him, and he falls out of the tree. <laughs> Yep. It's he's funny because scene. <laughs> he also gives me vibes of Brendan Fallon, which is another. I mean, he didn't play that part, but it's just another actor character on The Sopranos. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see that till I was just looking at his IMDb now that he was on The Sopranos. Good for him. Yeah, I was checking him out earlier, and that's also when I was like, oh, yeah, Walter Goggins, because we should mention him. Walter Goggins, we're a big big fans of his comedy, right? He's from, um, Vice say, Principles. Vice Principles, for example. Righteous Gemstones. I mean, he's amazing on The Shield, which is a show yeah. we need to watch, uh, but he's so good on The Shield. I never saw Justified. I know he's on that as well. Of course, Young Hercules, uh, just like on his page now, his various things he's in. But he just plays kind of, uh, he's also an alpha elite. He's just kind of the the, the other alpha elite that isn't this main rapist guy, mm. uh, Ned. Like he's the one who's just kind of saying stuff back to the colonel. And, you know, he's, he's just kind of a standard guy. I don't really know yeah. how to describe his character beyond that. He's just another goon with a couple yeah. lines. But McGowan... The love interest in this film is introduced when she's at the principal's office uh, and then he is there like making some copies or something. I just immediately was like, thought he was a teacher because he looks, he's very buff, but I was like, he's like late 20s, surely. Like, I guess he was like 24 or whatever when they filmed this. So not crazy in the realm of the Karate Kid, but he just doesn't look like a child uh, at all. So, but then he's like awkwardly running after talking to her and it's fine and it's not too bad. But yeah, he's, he's, uh, he, he just looks like an adult but whatever <laughs> yeah yeah and how old hillary swing i think she was like 18 or something around yeah it came out in 94 so she was 24 when it no sorry she was 20 when it came out i think i was looking at all of this just because while i was watching it i, I was like thinking about these characters ages because i genuinely thought he was a teacher uh like because he's just in there and then i'm like no he's one of the alpha elite but we don't even know what the alpha elite is at this yeah. point in the film they haven't gotten to that part that's why i wanted to start with it when we're explaining it um, but some of their relationship developments are that he, he finds her with the hawk and then is a bit coy about if he's going to tell anyone and she's really grumpy and says all the bad things she's going to do to him if, if he tells, uh, anyone and then they head off and is, do they immediately just go off and have, have a drive around? They don't look at the trains yet, right? That's well, that's, well, because, yeah, it's because she's like, I'm not getting out of your car. 
until you mm. tell me what you're going to do. And he's like, ha ha, fine by me. And then, yeah, just like it's like a whole fun meet cute where she's annoyed at him, but only because she loves him so much. Uh, and then, yeah, they go to the trains and he talks about his hopes and dreams. We get a nice crane shot that lifts up and we see beautiful Boston uh, skyline in the background. Um, you know, it's whatever. And then Miyagi, because Miyagi gets fucking stood up at the school because he went to pick her up and he ends up running into the Alpha Elite and she's off uh, traipsing around with uh, McGowan. Yeah, this is kind of where we get the explanation of the... Uh the alpha elite uh but yeah so <laughs> actually i do kind of like this where mr miyagi is talking to the colonel right because uh, the colonel oh, yes he, he tells a story about a bull and we don't have to get into it in detail but it's a it's a classic kind of miyagiism yeah uh, <laughs> that does not land with this colonel at all but it's nice to see yeah, yeah, what, uh, Angry Bull is good soup or something like that? <laughs> like, it's good. Yeah, he just kind of tells, when he's, like, being told repeatedly to leave or whatever, he just kind of, uh, because he's seen this colonel, like, just beat up all these children, so he's kind of like, hey, uh, do you, can you tell me where this student is? And he's, like, very aggressively telling him to leave, indirectly telling him to leave the country, because now the threat is within the country, yeah. um, as he was talking about earlier with his neo-Nazism, um, but Pat, Pat Morita or Mr. Miyagi just gives a big story about how there was once an angry bull in his village who always chased everybody around and gave everyone a hard time. And But one day, a village have a big festival. Everybody happy. And the guy's just like, what the fuck? And he's like, on on that day, uh, bad bad bull make good soup. Yes. Something like that. Which <laughs> kind then- of a bit of a lesson. And then, yeah, when she takes off and then he kind of when she finally comes home after she's out with McGowan, they get she gets into like a hissy fit. uh, And this is where we see she's got skills because she runs off into the fucking street after yelling after at Mr. Miyagi almost gets hit by a pizza delivery guy. But she does a fucking (laughs) eagles jump uh, (laughs) onto the hood of the car. Now, I do appreciate the fact that. She's like, well, no, I did, I, I did do a little karate. Like, she's got a little Sam Larusso in her, where it's not yeah. so much. She didn't just stumble into karate with Mr. Miyagi, and then, but it does still track back to Miyagi himself because he taught his general, whoever it is, karate, who taught his son karate, who then taught Julie karate. So she, it is something she had from her father when she was a little kid. Yeah, but it does bring, like, it makes sense, and it makes sense as a beat in the film, but this is what I have to emphasize. It's so cheesy, and it looks so shit, kind of, when it yeah. happens to, that, like, it's kind of entertaining, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it has to be emphasized. There are some fights in this film, and the fights are not very no, good. Not and good. And this kind of jump, she's, like, just whoosh in slow motion. I feel like we get some kind of Asian-inspired, like, wind chimes and shit as she's doing this jump as well, that sort of stuff. Um, and then the, the pizza delivery guy is just cartoonishly there, like, apologizing for ages. But then, like... A lot of what we get next in the film, so this is kind of half an hour in, a lot of what we get next over the next, I don't know, half hour or whatever, uh, or I guess even less than that, it's the two of them interacting in a series of scenes one after the other that kind of works to establish them becoming closer, you know, as it goes on. It's not like jumping between loads of different characters in this. Mm. It's like, it's a story about them getting to know each other, uh, 
him i guess she's the one who actually is like hey teach me some karate because obviously she's being harassed in school like that's her idea and he's been trying to get her to do homework so they do a deal where she does a certain amount of homework uh and that and then they're also talking about you know lost ones in their families and things like that so they're slowly getting closer while mr miyagi is comedically waking up to loud rock music um (laughs) yeah and sort of setting her up to be a babysitter to earn money. That's also part of it. But I guess, is the babysitting supposed to teach her some karate lessons as well? Or maybe it's just to get her out of the house for a bit and like have her do something a bit more wholesome? I don't really know. Yeah, I guess it's just to get her to to laugh and love again. Um, but real quick to back. But he does say, so, sorry, he does say though, like, oh, babysitting, good lesson for a karate student. I don't really see how, except that she's like dodging all the, the nerf, nerf bol- yeah. bullets or whatever from, from the kids. Yeah, I guess it is kind of a Yagi training tactic because he does does even bring over a box of more like nerf balls and stuff for them to throw at her so i guess it's just mm. getting her reflexes and her skills back up to pa- back up to par uh but yeah mm. the the kar- none of the karate is good in this movie and it's a bum out because patty johnson the guy that the referee from the first karate kid is back to like train them and like the right. behind the scenes stuff but like it doesn't it doesn't work really that well this time. He did give Hillary Swank a pink belt because he said she was so good um, at learning the moves and whatnot. Uh, just unfortunately, none of them made it into the movie. <laughs> oh, okay, a pink belt is that a real karate belt? Uh, I, I think they're all bullshit, aren't they? Even Mr. Miyagi yeah. so much as says so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so this sort of sequence leads into her sneaking into school again to feed her hawk, except this time, the, well, not the whole alpha elite, but the greaser contingent within the alpha elite mm. is waiting for her in a very scary, yes. you're about to be assaulted kind of scene. Yes. Um, where she's chased through the school by these gre- evil greaser types. And, like, some of them are watching the door while he goes in and tries to find her in the cafeteria. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty tense and disturbing to watch. There is a lot of danger. Like, I was even thinking that. I was like, oh, you, like, you take for granted the amount of danger of, like, just Daniel being chased by Cobra Kai. I mean, fuck, even Daniel fighting to the death against Chosen. (laughs) Yeah. When it's like, (laughs) yeah, he's got her foot and she's like, grasping at hitting the fire alarm and yeah it's like a bunch of dudes that that are all like chasing her through the dark hallways and she's got to get to the gate is she gonna get through the fucking gate or is she gonna be you know uh uh gang raped (laughs) like what's gonna happen jesus christ and then even pretty disturbing even to the point where like the police show up and they're no help like you like there's a lot going on here um uh female trauma the police shows up and it's the colonel who is is he in the police or and also works at the school jim the only thing i could say i because i don't know either but i guess my school did have like a we just called him narc but he was just like a school cop like he wasn't an actual cop but i guess he was like school security but he would have like i guess link like i i'm sure real cops looked at him as like a weird wannabe but he did have like some sort of like he would he would have a, a line to the police if he needed him 
It's not, but okay. like, not like anything even happened at my school. But we just had a narc cop that hung out. So I guess he's like that. Sure, this is very foreign to me, so yeah. I appreciate the context. So I get, but it's just weird because yeah, the only reason the cops and fire brigade and everyone turns up is that she trips the fire alarm, I think, and then he's the colonel's just immediately there. But either way, she's caught, she's in trouble. Mister Miyagi picks her up from uh, the police station uh, in an actually. Uh, I, I like this because you don't see him angry much, like, and he's not angry yelling. It's just you can just kind of tell. That he's very annoyed, uh, which is nice. But yeah, so he finds out about the hawk and all of that. Um, and in general, just kind of tries to solve what are they going to do next? Because she's kicked out of school for two weeks now. A great yeah. opportunity for a road trip. Absolutely. And she just asks McGowan to take care of the uh, the hawk. And he's just walking on a fucking train, which was really like messing with. I was like, is this train moving? What is happening here? Uh, I think it was doing the same to me. And yes. <laughs> No, it was. It was yeah, definitely fucking was. in my head as well. Is is it moving? It doesn't matter. He works at like the train yard docks anyway. The train docks. That's what they're called, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the docks you don't fight at. That's where you have the romantic moment. Also, this is a very much a nitpick, but when they were sitting down on the trains earlier, they had that slight romantic moment talking about their futures. Just like you said, a great view of the Boston skyline behind them. So what the mm. fuck were they looking at? Because they were facing entirely <laughs> yeah. the wrong way. Just a small thing. The camera moves really slowly, reveals this amazing view. Well, it's okay. And then they're just looking the other way. And I'm like, what are they looking at? They're up there for the view. The The view is you're on top of a train, so it's not that high up. What is it? Doesn't matter. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we go on this road trip and we run into more dangerous men. <laughs> more cartoonish uh, men who... Basically, they're at a gas station, um, and the only reason there's kind of an altercation is there's an upset dog that uh, immediately calms down when uh, Mr. Miyagi's there, because I guess he has this fucking badass aura about him that animals recognize, but not dumb men, not these dumbass white men. Um, But but it's also like the guy, the, 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 the crazy man himself, it's also not even hinted. It's like kind of told to us that he's making the dog do what the dog's doing. Like when the dog's growling at Julie, because his friends are like, come on, man, what are you doing? Why are you making your dog do that? But he, he literally hasn't done anything. He's got a mind meld (laughs) with his dog and he's making it growl and mess with Julie. But yes, uh, Mr. Miyagi is able to overpower whatever type of mind control he has over his dog, (laughs) the guy gets very upset. How dare you? Like, how dare you mess with my mind meld with my dog, make my dog nice (laughs) when I'm making him scary. (laughs) This is the only explanation as well, because they are at this rundown gas station. The dog's doing all this barking. Mr. Miyagi's just like, oh, hello, nice dog. And the dog's calm. And then when they leave, these guys follow him out, and is like, and he's like, "What did you do to my dog? You turned him into a damn chicken." So he is aware that Mister Miyagi yeah. can mind melt because he too possesses this ability. We yes. must assume. And then um, I mean, because also to think about it, like they've gone from Boston, and now they're in like backwoods Texas somehow <laughs> on this road trip. <laughs> they're they're not quite Texas Chainsaw Massacre area, although I guess one could. Make the argument if you get up into Maine or New Hampshire or even upstate New York, I guess you could run into basically depression era, uh, uh, you know, worker guys hanging out at a dilapidated gas station, uh, mind controlling their dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, this 
is more realistic to me than what where they actually end up on this trip where they're yes. actually going but that's just again this yeah we'll, we'll get into it anyway he beats them up in a really bad fight scene um, it is fun that he's using the guy to beat up his friends that's kind of yeah fun, but it is bad it's just it looks it looks really bad because it just looks like he's not doing anything and then they are not doing anything but he's kind of making them hit e- each other or whatever but yeah anyway it, it's it's fine but they honestly fights bad but then immediately after them they have a scene where she's like oh my god you kicked ass that was amazing and mr miyagi is genuinely like sad like yeah. i always try to not fight and it's unfortunate uh <laughs> etc and it's like one of these moments that is important for her to build too but anyway then they go to japan i guess <laughs> in a car <laughs> yeah. because the next scene after this they're at the, a big stone wall he mr miyagi rings a gong they're kind of sitting there and then uh three monks open the door and i guess it's a buddhist temple um i'm trying to I see guess. yeah where did they film this I guess, I mean, it's saying the gas station scene was in Groton, Massachusetts, right? I don't know where that is. So maybe it is. Mm. Western Mass is like a hellhole. So it must be some sort of Western Mass <laughs> bullshit. Although mm-hmm. Castle... And then you go... Oh, go ahead. You go a little bit further west, you get to the Buddhist <laughs> section of yeah. Mass, which is the now, west of the west. <laughs> Castle Hill Crane Estates. Do you think that is... Is that where they film this uh, temple area? Castle Hill on the Crane Estate. Let me see some pictures. I mean, this just looks like a fucking palace. But maybe there's sections of it there that they found. Yeah. Well, what it looks like is uh, like a stone temple, which most Buddhist temples I always associate with uh, being made out of wood, like most of the architecture in Japan. Um, But yeah, it's basically like a little castle, little temple type area that they're going to as a kind of retreat. I suppose uh, they have a big sort of um, Zen garden or like a the sand garden uh, with some rocks, some patterns, and they're all just kind of silent Japanese bald men who don't speak English. Um, and you know, I I maybe I'm I, I I feel like these places can exist. It just feels bonkers that we're just suddenly there for whatever. Yes. It's so unexpected that yeah. it's what happens here. I. Uh, I I can't rule it out that it exists, but it's still a very strange thing place to end up at. Uh, where basically this is now the next chunk of the film is her living in this temple and learning about valuing all parts of life, learning about doing some cool kicks, uh, doing a thing where they go into a barn and then there are various monks on the upper level throwing (laughs) bags of sand or hay or whatever, and she's got to dodge out of the way while blindfolded. So, you know, she's learning some real shit. The big thing, because every Karate Kid film has to have a big thing that she's learning, right? Yep. The, the kick in the first one, the drum technique in the second one, etc. Uh, the big thing is doing a, <laughs> doing a big kick, uh, like a big up kick from your knee. Like, that's the big thing she learns, right? That's kind of yeah, which big is, tall kick. It's weird because in the beginning, he's like, yeah, stand on the big rock, do a jump kick, and then land on the little rock. And it's like she can't figure this shit out. And all I'm thinking is she's just going to fucking bang her head on the little rock because she keeps falling weird. But, yeah, the key to it, much like the praying mantis that she found in 
Didn't really mm-hmm. save, just kind of moved and brought to a monk to be like, look, a bug, I didn't kill it. Uh, I mean, like, I get there's a connection there because then he tells her to pray, and then, yeah, she the, the, the key was to start on her knees. Like, yeah, I mean, they go for it. They're doing a thing. Um, and, I mean, somewhat in the same vein, to back up a little bit, what is supposed to be happening when she goes to Mr. Miyagi and he's, like, in deep trance? Is that supposed to be how he sleeps when she's like, Mr. Miyagi, are you there? When he's just like kneeling with his eyes open. Is that supposed to be how Miyagi sleeps like with his eyes open sitting up? See, no, except I I wouldn't put it past this film. I think Mm. he's meditating, um, which makes more sense. But also we've seen him sleep like a human before. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, but I also wouldn't put it past this film to be just like, yeah, this is like Gandalf. You know, he just has his eyes open when he sleeps because he's weird and magic. Um, but yeah, so he, he tells her how to do this kick, as you were saying. But he, the way it's described in the film, he's like, you fake front kick at opponent, um, roll hip, come around, make round kick, land on Okinawa. So... I don't really follow what she's trying to do throughout most mm. of this, to be honest, because that's the description, right? Eventually, as you said, uh, well, I, I, I'll go through this because I guess it's important. There's a cockroach at the dinner table. Yes. She's going to kick the kill the cockroach, and then uh, she's stopped, and everyone leaves and is kind of upset. All of these silent monks, and this is kind of where we have like all these silent monks. They they don't like her, but then they start liking her. It's that's fine you know that's what we expect to happen but yeah she tries to kill this cockroach mr miyagi uh reads her the riot act is very upset and i'm like fucking you are not doing your job here as a cultural ambassador just maybe mention that before you go in the place like i feel like he's told her absolutely nothing because she's so surprised by everything so maybe give a bit of context like hey these people don't speak english here's how you act around them to be polite maybe some of that context would have helped she also like when she wakes up and runs to mr miyagi when he's meditating she is yelling his name just (laughs) running through this temple where everyone's silent so like this is on him like a bit of introduction to what's happening would not have been uh misplaced yeah yeah um so yeah it's i guess it's just he's putting her through trial by fire i suppose and then um i like how she's even like i bet you've killed a cockroach before uh and he's just like yeah not in uh mr miyagi don't live in temple or something like that kept fucking burns her but It all it's all worth it because I really enjoyed the scene when she's listening to the cranberries and the monks come in and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought you were sleeping. Did I wake you up? But then they start fucking vibing out and loving the cranberries (laughs) as well. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. The thing is, I guess when she's listening to the cranberries, she's doing I guess she's doing the karate kid kick she's doing like a kata but it's kind of a dance hmm. i feel like we haven't seen her before in the film actually being taught this like am i wrong here no, but I, yeah, I, right. I like he ne- we don't have that scene i feel like it's kind of missing it's not a bad thing but it's just weird because it felt like that film she's listening to music doing karate shit but it's kind of a dance that 
is like it's made to be in the trailer, except they forgot to have the part where Mr. Miyagi teaches her this thing. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take it. I'm going to have it to modern music, make it my own thing. Yeah. No, we just immediately have this scene. But I, I also do like uh, when the monks just kind of start vibing and dancing. <laughs> and Mr. Miyagi's like, never trust spiritual leader who cannot dance. And now they're all friends. Now they're just yeah. hanging out. It's a great time. It And it, it did keep throwing me when like, I was like, oh my God, like this is a real song. Like I'm hearing real songs in this movie. I don't know why mm. that was throwing me, but it was. But I was loving it. Like especially in the uh, end credits when they're playing Gotta Be, uh, Yeah, You Gotta Be by Desiree. I'm like, this rocks. Hell yeah. Give me another one. Let's bring Julie Pierce to yeah. Cobra Kai. Uh, but yeah, she does finally eventually, yeah, like we had said, she does the prayer and lands the kick uh i but wish i have to cut in because it's very much like the s- second karate kid when he's doing the drum technique but yeah. we don't understand what the drum technique is because of the camera work yeah she's jumping up in the air and it's like slow motion supposed to be impressive but we don't really see what she's doing so it's kind of whatever and honestly the the better through line would have been the dance because if they have the dance happen here and then the dance that he teaches her when she's just trying to dance and then Mm. if that comes into play in the end fight in my opinion that's better than you're right like this nondescript jump kick move that we don't it's so obscured by the camera because i feel like they don't even know what it is so they have to kind of zoom in really quick it would have been a better through line and you could even have like had her know a piece of it because it's what her dad taught her, but like, didn't we didn't quite get to the full end of the move because he passed away, like something like that. It would have been a better through line in my opinion, because that felt more Miyagi than anything. Like it doesn't really feel Miyagi as much when he leads you into a barn and has monks throw bags of sand at you because it's almost too much like a regular fight. Uh, And I know, like, eventually Miyagi does have moments where you are, like, he's wearing an umpire's mask and you're, like, punching the pads he's wearing. Like, it does kind of get to that point, but there needs to be more not fighting training that is actually fighting training for it to be Miyagi. That's why I actually really love the dance thing that he's doing, where he's using fight training to teach you how to dance. I thought that was a very Miyagi moment. Yeah, and to be clear, that's not the dance we were just talking yeah, about, which isn't really explained. It's <laughs> yeah. later on, so we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. But we basically then work our way into a montage because we got to have a montage. Uh, mm. You know, it's mandatory and it's not too bad. They're doing various fight things. She's learning stuff, and it leads into them all, <laughs> them all hanging. Well, her and Miyagi eating, and then all the monks are walking up with a very serious sort of uh, drum beat and music. And uh, she's a bit scared, and she's ranting about, "Okay, I killed the spider in my bedroom, but it was on accident." <laughs> and, like things are still a little tense between them or whatever. But then something we built to earlier—it's actually her birthday, and they have a mm. birthday cake, and they're all friends now and hanging out and uh it's a good time it's very sweet and then for whatever reason it's very unknown to me they decide (laughs) to shoot an arrow at mr miyaki (laughs) so he can catch it it's zen archery gym and i don't does it really matter that it never comes up again (laughs) that's what i mean it's it's such a setup um so they're like basically First of all, she asks them to come visit them in Boston, and they're like, oh, we have not left Monastery in many years. And she's like, oh, 
never mind. Like, cause, uh, but then they're like, we will come. Um, but also they get, uh, she gets a demonstration in Zen archery, which is a guy shooting an arrow at Mr. Miyagi and he catches it and it's cool, but it's never yeah. referenced. It never comes up again. It just kind of is this reinforcement that Mr. Miyagi's right and you should listen to him, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, he just kicks mm. ass. Yeah, uh, he's just the best. Yeah. Which is true. And so now she's, what, back at school. And, you know, things might be, maybe things are all looking up. You know, maybe we'll turn this thing around again. And we'll get back. She's like a happier person. She's more zen. But then there's still, what? So, I mean, they go to see Angel the bird. Yeah, the bird, of course. Uh, McGowan's been looking after the bird this whole time. Um, but now when they go up, it's, uh, your fucking Ned is there causing trouble. Do they have the bird? Where's the bird? I forget. No, it's gone to the shelter, uh, like the animal shelter. Oh, or that's what it was. Ned's yeah. In the bird. That's what it is. Yeah. But then they just get the, like, they just go and get it like a minute later. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh my God, Ned did something bad. But then it's like, oh no, we get him. And then, I mean, it's still, I like the moment where we get to have a Miyagi thing where you know you get to set the bird free and also you know uh when in cage so long you know world scary like stuff like that like these these are these feel like miyagi moments these feel like real things there's a slight hint that maybe he heals the bird but i don't think he does like i like that they play with the idea that he could but he doesn't the bird's healed on its own he's he's healed himself and also he's he's healed because of uh um, why am I spaced on Hillary Swank's name now? Uh, Julie, because of what Julie cared for him. Much like living beings, like cockroaches that crawl around when you're trying to eat food. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, the Wikipedia plot summary is like, and then Mr. Miyagi uses magic to heal the bird, but I didn't really get that no. sense when I was watching it. And uh, so it, it is kind of a nice moment, releasing the bird. The bird comes back, and he says a little thing about how the world's a big, scary place. But you must fly because she's kind of doing like, go on, get out of here. Yeah. And then it's more like, ah, I believe in you or whatever. The bird flies off. It's all super metaphoric, I guess, for yeah. whatever this bird is her grief or something. And she's letting it go. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I like it because it's very not and not that this is a high point of the series, but it was still a good moment that they used well in Cobra Kai. This is very the torn bonsai tree in Karate Kid 3 and like, you know, Root Strong, like Danielson, mm. like, you know, this this just this tracks for me. It feels like something that yeah. should be a, in a Karate Kid movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, And so it turns out McGowan, the guy, it, it, that's his name, right? It's his last name, yeah, McGowan. They basically call yeah. him that the whole time, so yeah. Yeah, it's just like there's like 15 pubs in Dublin called McGowan's, so that's <laughs> why I'm like, okay. Um. But yeah, anyway, he's asked her to the prom because we got to get some high school shit in this uh, before we wrap it up. Uh, I like that we don't really see that scene. We just kind of like it's not a love story like you were saying, like the love subplot is a subplot this is about her talking to mr miyagi uh like about should i go to the prom i don't even know like that's the scene not the scene between the two of them yeah and the next scene which is brilliant is mr miyagi going to get a dress <laughs> love this scene no complaints <laughs> yeah yeah it's just because he shows up at the dress shop and is like saying he needs a dress and like there's a, a funny moment where she's asking about what what type of style he prefers and all of that. And then he's trying to explain 
what what kind of girl she is what dress would work but they're obviously speaking completely different languages when he when asked to describe her style it's like ah oh, her spinning back kick is very good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of stuff it's good stuff just yeah mr miyagi just another example of as mr miyagi would say boys much easier uh because he's trying to figure it out and then that gets into the dance because she's concerned even though she knows karate dance because as we she's listening to the cranberries dancing, but she's concerned about the school dance because she doesn't know how to do that type of dancing. And then Miyagi tricks her into a fighting uh, training, but it turns in he's teaching her how to dance. What a great moment. Yeah, that is that that is very Mr. Miyagi because it's like the opposite of wax on wax off, right? Mm. Telling you you're learning karate but then actually you're learning something else that's uh, just a great turnaround of how they usually do things um definitely would have made more sense if it was connected to the dancing earlier or there was some <laughs> yeah. sort of subplot there because as you said she's already a competent dancer but i guess the dancing she was doing then was supposed to be actual karate stuff maybe because she did like the kick that daniel does but if she already knew that anyway whatever yeah. <laughs> and then we get mr miyagi gets to play the dad role like you know, uh, when you bring in, you know, Julie back, uh, what do you think, uh, 10 o'clock or something? He's like, well, you know, the dance goes to midnight, so maybe one, you know, well, what are you doing for that extra hour? And he's holding like a knife. He's cutting a fucking cucumber. The the text is not sub. It's, <laughs> it's there. He's having fun with it's it. It's great. Yeah. Because at that point, the... Um the monks have arrived in their little van as well. So they're all like, when he's coming to pick her up, there's just a house full of monks and he's there aggressively shop, chopping up a zucchini. Yeah. Very symbolic. Yes. And asking about when he's she's going to be home safe. Um, but I did want to linger on as well. When he gives her the dress, um, there is this scene where she's like, you know, it's too bad you never had a daughter, Mr. Miyagi. Mm. And we the yeah. people who went to Okinawa with him, you know, yep. they, she's like, you would have been a good parent. And we know what this means to him. And I'm almost getting choked up yeah. talking about it. <laughs> Even though this is a silly, dumb film, <laughs> it's still like, you, you know what that means to him, to him. Um, and then he's like, you know, uh, what does he say? Like a dance for, an, a, a, as a new parent, may I have this dance? So he's kind of like, yeah, fi finding that connection. Cause he has that with Daniel, obviously, mm. but this is different because boys are easier and it's more of like, yeah, just getting to feel that, like what, what could have been Absolutely. very sad and very beautiful. Yes. And then you like to the point where when he, uh, he sees her in her dress and he's like tearing up and stuff like that, like, it is great stuff, especially for us who've been on that plane. We went to Okinawa. <laughs> We've been with, with Mr. Miyagi. We put him to bed when he was, you know, reading these old newspaper clippings and getting drunk. Like, we've been through these trials and tribulations with this man. Yep. Uh, and now we get to go bowling with him. And again, we deal with another problematic white dude who has to fucking <laughs> yell at them not to touch the ball or whatever. And they get to have a hilarious moment where they just close their eyes and they kick ass at bowling. But even to the point where they're like friends with the bullies at the end, aren't they? Don't they like yeah, kind of teach them? It. It's, it's, 
Yes, it's kind of cartoonish and silly, yeah. but yeah. So the monks and Mr. Miyagi go bowling. There's this guy, he kind of reminds me of Saul in Better Call Saul, uh, who's yeah. on yeah. the other bowling lane, and he kind of picks a fight with them, and they have a friendly bet on who's going to do better. But unlike every other interaction with any other white men in this film, it doesn't turn into, we're going to have a fight outside. It's him, the guy who kind of picked the fight with them, is handing over the money, like, uh, like uh, bill by bill and like the whole bowling parlor is kind of watching and then he does a little uh bow to them and everyone cheers and then later on they're just hanging out and bowling together and i'm like this is nice (laughs) it's so weird because this is happening and then the dance is happening and you're like there's only like 15 minutes left in this movie (laughs) and yeah and honestly like it would have almost been better to not have anything with the alpha lead and like the fight. But of course it's karate kid. So you have to have it. It's like when you're having these moments where yes, Mr. Miyagi is, you know, uh, being vicariously living as a parent to someone and being seen what it would have been like to have a daughter. And then a, a girl who lost her dad or her parents, like having Mr. Miyagi as that father figure, like exploring that and their relationship so much more interesting to the point where now we have guys setting another guy's car on fire and a big fight at the docks. It's crazy. It's, it's insane where we end up. Uh, and it's not like, it's not really good. It's not as good as any of the other, like the other parts are much yeah. better. I'd rather see them, having fun at the bowling alley, but that's just me. When they fucking, yeah, why are they, they bungee jump off the roof of okay, the okay, gymnasium? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we, we got we to take a moment here because there's a lot that happens in this 15 minutes. Um, first of all, I want to call out, uh, as they're heading to the prom, Eric McGowan is driving the car and she's in the seat, uh, the other seat, and he just keeps looking at her saying, saying dumbass shit about how beautiful she is. Like, mm. you know, you look like you, but you don't look like you, yeah. which has already kind of been insulting basically saying oh you never get dressed up usually you usually look like a slob uh you're so beautiful but it's an extended scene where she, multiple times she's like one way we're in a one-way street oh, right. like <laughs> yeah. and he's driving against oncoming traffic with loads of lanes that are all heading in his direction it's not like him missing a turn it's like you are a maniac and you're putting out in horrible danger um but yeah anyway that's one call out then they're at the prom And there's this moment, just like you said, there's not that much going on at the prom, but suddenly three dudes are at the top of the, well, are at the ceiling and they all bungee jump down and one of them crashes into this thing they've set up to take (laughs) photos. And there is no, you assume, because it's Karate Kid, you assume this builds up to something that it's like, this happens because A, B, or C, or it's like, because they've been antagonizing each other, now the bungee jump and like, they're going to grab someone or whatever. No, they're just doing it as a dumbass thing, I guess, which is a pretty teenager thing to do. But yeah, one of them like breaks their arm and... Like, what is this yeah. scene, Jim? Why I are was, they doing this? I was trying to figure out if I had missed something, like where they had said, yeah, and then at the, at the dance, we're going to do the big stunt or whatever. But it also, it doubly doesn't make sense because they're the alpha elite and they're against yes. like throwing a candy wrapper on the ground. You know what I mean? Why the fuck are they yes. disrupting? They're supposed to be stopping people <laughs> that are doing shit like this. They're not supposed to be doing it. Uh, but I, I, yeah, it's, it boggles. I don't know what they were going for. I guess it's just because in the nineties, like extreme sports were on the come up. Like, 
you know, people were going skydiving and bungee jumping more and skateboarding. So they're like, we need to put some extreme sports in this movie. What if the alpha elite fucking jump off the ceiling of the gymnasium for some reason? It's really weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the So I guess I was trying to look at it now, like what the fuck is actually happening here? Because yeah, McGowan runs up is like, whose idea was this trying to help the guy who's injured? And they're like, oh, it was Ned's idea. Dugan said it would be okay. But just like you said, they're supposed to be the order, orderly people <laughs> Like, there's no build-up to it or anything. And the music kind of tells us that something dramatic is happening. And I guess it is. They're bungee jumping. But, like, it's it it's not relevant to the plot in mm. any way other than it gets Eric and Ned into the, I guess, third or fourth time they're kind of pushing each other around and going, like, oh, we're going to settle this because they're getting in yeah. each other's way because they both have the hots for the same girl. And it's all about us, big alpha dudes. Uh, and it gets to the point where... <laughs> McGowan just challenged me so obviously Eric being Eric McGowan being reasonable brings her home uh, everything's cool um, <laughs> it's fine and then the alpha elite show up and wreck his car with their baseball bats they're like sh- as they're about to kiss the glass of the, the, the windows are like shattered etc yeah. and and they're like you want to fight come to the docks instead of fighting right there and then it's yeah. like come to the docks though bro <laughs> and she's like don't go to the docks and he drives to the docks like a big fucking idiot it's so funny because it's like his car gets smashed up here and then it gets exploded uh in a, in a scene later and, the, and it just yeah. it, it it explains why earlier in the movie he's like you see this car you know, I fixed it up myself. This is the greatest. I forget, like, I'm not a car person. I forget what kind of car he says it is. But there is, like, at least a moment where he's telling her all about his car. So you, that's how you know it's important. And this means a lot that they're destroying his car. <laughs> but he works at a train jar- yard. There's At no point does he, we see him working on this car or caring about it either. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of this thing he says. Uh, I don't know about cars, but when I was watching this with my girlfriend and, and, and he was like... Uh, yeah, this car I fixed it up myself. She was just like, "No, you didn't," <laughs> <laughs> and I completely believe that. No, he didn't. But anyway, yeah, it's set on fire. He goes to the docks, and now uh, the the Colonel Dugan's there and everything. Um, and like he, it's payback time. It's not going to be Ned against him. They're all going to attack him because mm. he didn't like when when the leader of the alpha elite was doing that earlier in the film so now yeah. they're all gonna fuck him up and explode his car and he uh, didn't so they like all attack him together he didn't like when they jumped from the roof of the gymnasium either so how dare yeah. he <laughs> uh yeah walton goggins on full display in this scene which is great and yeah they just start whipping his ass of course and then uh julie and miyagi show up and they have this scene right where he the the leader of the alpha elite keeps telling them to finish him off which feels very cobra kai oh, you know yeah. like this is what i trained you for maximum assault or whatever like he's literally telling them to kill him right like that's what yep. what's happening here it's so, very um end of season three cobra kai like hell we're gonna finish crease off and then they decide not to because uh miguel shows up <laughs> Yeah, and Walton Goggins is like, he's down. You know, he's the guy, he's the one out of Cobra Kai in the original films who's like, he's had enough, Johnny! Like, yeah. that sort of thing, you know? Um, but then Mr. Miyagi and Ju- Julie, that's her name, right? Yeah, Julie show up, 
and he's just had the shit kicked out of him. They grab him to leave, um, and Julie's like, "Let me fight him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because well, he does grab at her, and the guy like Isn't laughs. Ned, yeah, like, the, the the greaser weirdo yeah. guy is like, "Yeah, grabbing at her," and like, it's just like I I get what they're going for because it's like you have the alpha elite. And so, like, the ultimate insult to them would be if this girl kicked their ass. You know what I mean? So there is kind of a point here, but it really is. It's so bonkers that we get to this point in the movie, an hour and 37 minutes in, where she's going to fight this guy. And there's only, like, a few minutes left in the movie. And it really is. It's like we're watching a completely different movie now. Uh, This just kind of happens. Yeah, there's kind of, I guess, uh, a buildup in a sense because there's a conversation earlier between Mr. Miyagi and and Julie about, like, how do you know when to fight? Like, mm. and how do you know when how to walk away and or whatever? And there's some wisdom dispensed there. But basically, this is her saying, like, I need to have this fight if I'm ever going to, I don't know, respect, respect myself, myself or whatever. Yeah. And, and Mr. Miyagi's like, Julie sounds right. I guess, in a sense, he's the safety net, right? Because... Mr. Miyagi's there, so uh, you know he can save the situation if it goes to total shit. But also, they were just trying to kill this dude, um, and they exploded his car. Mm. So, like, maybe leave. I guess yeah. he just has that much faith in her. Yeah. Even I mean, she does start whipping his ass, and then but then he does the old here's here's some mud in your eye. It's a good thing she trained oh, blindfolded God. because this works out pretty well, where she can use her other senses. Uh, this is a classic you know kung fu battle thing to happen which is at least works because it's the only time he starts getting some shots in um but she focuses and still kind of kicks his ass uh, i feel like it's a very she does a very half-hearted attempt at wiping her eyes I, like <laughs> yeah. if i was her i would have been backing up more trying to do that more instead of just going oh, oh no i can't see now guess i'll keep fighting and then, um, yeah, we have to get to the point where then Mr. Miyagi's like, why don't you, why don't you bring me some, bro? Like, let's go. I, I mean, I fought Crease before. You think I'm worried about uh, the, the the leader of the Alpha Elite? Oh, yeah, because, well, what what is it that happens? So the sequence is she's blinded, but she, she Mr. Miyagi's on the sidelines telling her to focus. She does the praying thing because she's already on her knees. So then mm. she can do the super kick that she learned earlier. So she kind of wins her fight that way but then uh the leader is telling everyone else to go and fight her and fuck her up including uh our friend walton um but they're all kind of lost they've all lost their faith in him saying he's crazy at this point because a girl bet his guy i guess that's why they're all losing faith at this point um and yeah like you said mr miyagi needs to get up in the mix as well at this point just to de-escalate sort things out so he kicks his ass, except he does the thing where he's about to honk his nose, but he just kind of blows him in the face instead. So mm-hmm. kind of a callback there. Yeah. Um, and then all of them are like, you said you had all the answers, but like, you don't know anything. And then they're just kind of walking away. And they have that line from the very start of our episode where it's like, you know, you kicked some butt. And it's, he's like, uh, what is it he said? Fighting is not good. But if you have to fight, you win. win. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Pretty good line. But then, it, yeah, then it cuts to a bird flying. So I guess angel um, and then credits. So really, like, quickly escalates into <laughs> that's the end of the film now. Hope you liked it. <laughs> 
I mean, which is I also I mean, reminiscent of Karate Kid. Like you know, you, you freeze frame on Miyagi like nodding, uh, and yeah. then it ends. But it is kind of a, a lost art these days where movies don't just end anymore. <laughs> they don't just like <laughs> they have to kind of draw it out a little bit. This one, they're like, "Hey, we did it. We had a fight. Miyagi fought. Uh, here we go. It's game over." Um, yeah. I wonder, you know, will we see uh, Michael Ironside again? Will we see uh, Dugan or is it Duggan? No, Dugan, right? Oh yeah, I think it's Dugan. Probably not, but I mean, Michael Ironside kicks ass, so I would like it. Yeah, I feel like we 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 are absolutely going to see Julie Pierce again. I feel like that's why it's so important that we watch this movie. Because there's like no doubt in my mind, like we've we've mined these movies so deep that yeah. the next logical step is Julie Pierce. I still stand by the idea that it should have been Julie at the end of season four. Yeah, then and it, I I di- I disagreed at the time, but like yeah. having watched this now, I'm like it would be incomprehensible for anyone who hadn't seen this film, uh, kind of, but it also in many ways would make more sense, uh, than, uh, what we did get, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, because like you have to imagine if you're looking at it from the Miyagi verse, from what we know of like Cobra Kai and how obviously Daniel Miyagi still had this relationship. Daniel, has to know about Julie Pierce, right? This can't be this wouldn't be a thing where if she did show up, she'd be like, Oh, I actually spent a summer with Mr. Miyagi once or whatever. Like, I feel like the way this movie pitches their relationship, it doesn't just end here. I think they have maybe not as strong as a bond as him and Daniel, but I think this if you take this movie as canon, like it's someone yeah. in his life, I would imagine. Which the Cobra Kai creators have said this is, you know, part of their canon as yeah. far as they're concerned. Um, I guess the timeline is uh, part three came out in 89 and this film came out in 94, right? So yeah. we don't really know where Daniel's at at this point. Uh, you know, we know he didn't do uh, college exactly. He did. He, he blew his money on the Mr. Miyagi's little trees. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we have various bits of his backstory. So I was interested, obviously, in like, where is Daniel during the course of this film? But either way, I absolutely want Hilary Swank to appear in Cobra Kai now. I think it would be a, a goddamn shame if she didn't. If only for the fact that this film has so many good Miyagi wisdoms to reference back to yeah. that that we can't reference back to because Daniel's not there. Um, so, you know, even if it's just an episode or whatever of having uh, Hilary Swank back and just re... Because Daniel's always relearning something from his past. He's always relearning some Miyagiism that he's forgotten. He always is having a flashback to some shit and he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> now I get it. But he, like, this would be stuff that he's, you know, someone else who knew Mr. Miyagi well who could also you know, help him relearn something. So I, I think it would be really nice. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that she needs to be like a main character on the show from now on or something, but um, yeah, I think there, there has to be some sort of appearance slash reference and exactly like from what you're just saying, at the very least to bring more of these Miyagi moments to the show and how they can affect or, uh, you know, influence Daniel or even Johnny or whatever. I, I was reading um 
Sopka had mentioned that uh, at one point, Pat Morita had pitched to him um, a karate kid where, like, Miyagi was dying and, like, in the hospital or on his deathbed, and Johnny Lawrence was his doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the only unrealistic part is Johnny Lawrence being a doctor. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's Beyond that, that that would make sense for the flashback film, right? If it's yeah. like him talking about his past or his family's past and we get the flying kung fu shit as well, <laughs> or karate shit, I guess, um, from from the 1600s. That'd be cool. Uh, I'd watch that. I mean, it's like a blessing and also kind of sad, though, to think of like, you know, poor Pat Morita, like, can't es- like I don't maybe he doesn't want to escape Mr. Miyagi. But maybe a part of him did. But even like he's just sitting, he's getting older, sitting around being like, hmm, how else can I be Miyagi? <laughs> like, what else can we do where I can be fucking Miyagi again? Uh, what if I'm on my deathbed? And it's weird because it reminds me of like Creed in a weird way. I don't know if you saw Creed mm. when Rocky's like sick and he's with Michael B. Jordan and like kind of training him, but he's got cancer or whatever. It's like I, I would have been balling if they made that movie. And I'm not talking yeah. about money. I'm talking about crying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I guess the only remaining thing to say about the film is that it was critically panned upon release. Yeah. Um, like, it's 7% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. My expectations were so low going into it that the positives within the film, as we kind of said at the start, were a pleasant surprise. And then the bonkers shit that happened, I was just like you know shaking my head and smiling at the camera uh or at, at the screen as well so it was an enjoyable experience to an extent um and for for all the reasons we mentioned up top as well so do i recommend watching this yes if you're listening to a cobra kai podcast uh i think jim's right in that even if we don't have uh hillary swank appear immediately this is in the next season this is still uh canon it's probably going to be referenced and it's just more of pat marita being um being mr miyagi which is a a a treasure yeah i mean and and like i know even saying this that this is kind of the problem with a lot of modern media uh but I can't help it. I mean, it just even even though I know it's like we've we've mentioned many times, it's not really a good movie. But I'm fine with just being able to hang out with Mr. Miyagi for a while longer. And I get it. Like that's what a lot of like bad stuff being made these days is, is because it's like, oh, you know, what, what if we can learn more about the Death Star? What if we can hang? What if? Uh, obi-wan and darth vader fought a, a different time that we didn't know about um yeah. that's a problem with a lot of things but mr Miyagi's just that damn good uh where it's it makes it worth it um so yeah, yeah of course if you're listening to a cobra kai podcast i'm sure you've already seen it or if you haven't uh i do recommend it i wouldn't just recommend it to any person like hey i'm, I'm looking to watch a flick tonight what should i watch i probably wouldn't <laughs> tell you this movie but if i know you're uh a Karate Kid Cobra Kai fan, then absolutely. But I guess to that point you were saying is it's that's why it's good that it was critically panned and kind of didn't make loads of money yeah. because we don't necessarily want to encourage this type of film in general. But with that said, 
it's an enjoyable watch if you're people like us. So uh, if you haven't watched it, check it out. And beyond that, I think you should all, maybe, I don't know if you like this uh, episode, but if you did, go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are uh, very much appreciated. And you can also tweet at us. That's uh, on Twitter at shows what you know, you the letter you, just to keep things confusing. Um, any final thoughts on the film or anything else, Jim? There's just one more thing. What's that? Strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.